0: My guest today is Anthony Samaroff, the host of the Scottish Liberty podcast and Be Yourself and Love It podcast. Hi, Anthony, Welcome to the show for the first time.
1: Hi, Brett. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I've been following your work for many years, and it's really exciting for me to be here with you. Oh, that's awesome. Well, how did you first encounter us? Now, that's an interesting question. I'm not 100% sure. I was in touch with people like uh, Dana Martin, who I think you might have had on your show many mm-hmm. years ago or Laureate Len from Unplugged Mum. I was very interested in the stuff that on peaceful parenting at that period because I was going through a personal transformation and that involved looking quite hard at my childhood and being able to compare it to what I might have had and um, you were in my orbit. And I love how your show evolved from making a sort of critique of the education system to actually providing a real alternative in terms of providing people access to the information that they should have had uh, when they were at school and disciplines and helpful practices and things that will help. Uh, enrich us and make us feel like we're fit to take on the challenges of life and I feel a lot of resonance and harmony with that because that's what I'm all about as well
0: well yeah and I can see that from the work that you've been doing you know you sent me a great gift in the form of this Mm. book I think it was last week we started talking Mm. about it it was perfect timing and a great refresher for me I'm talking about a, a book you just put out called procrastination annihilation yes you know, I had been traveling in the latter half of 2017 and a lot of my routines suffered. You know, I had, right, I had right. even after, like, I wasn't trying to keep that frantic pace on the road anymore. It's like uh, I went back to an easier way of, right. of doing things and a less conscious way of doing things. Uh, you know, I've I've talked about productivity and procrastination in great detail mm. on uh, School Sucks in the past. We yes. did a series in 2014. I did a series called "Stop Procrastinating Now" uh, mm. in 2015. The subtitle, I think, was "Or soon, soon would also be okay."
1: <laughs> right.
0: I listened to that. I was taking more of a, a CBT, a cognitive behavioral right. therapy approach with it. You know, the last couple of weeks, I've really tried to get back on track with this stuff. So your book was really helpful in hearing things said in new ways I already knew and used to practice. Mm. It's definitely something I'm excited to talk about with you on the show today.
1: Well thank you for that. That's there's so much in there already. That is so excellent. Yeah, I had messages from people saying like I've read the first 20 pages of your book and it's like reading my mind. Like <laughs> you really uh, you really seem to understand what I'm going through. It's a really short book. People can read it in about 2 hours, uh, I would say, and it's free. So please like just go to beyourselfandloveit.com forward slash do it and download it. And it is the kind of book you can download so you can read. And then I, if you like it, keep on reading it until you don't have the problem anymore. Like take a few days break, but you know read a couple of pages here and there because it's all killer, no filler. I don't mean to blow my own trumpet, <laughs> but I struggled with procrastination as you will discover uh, from reading the book all through my 20s and god i wish that someone had given me this book when i was uh, when i just left school or something like that or my parents taught me these things when i was a teenager because i tried reading the other books and i watched the youtube videos and nothing made a durable change to my character, which I think is what people want. Like, you don't want to always have to kick your own ass into doing the stuff that you have to do forever. Like, that is just exhausting. So my book actually will help people become more conscientious. I just want it to get to people who can help. On the point of you going away and coming back and finding you don't have the disciplines you once had, it's really interesting because there's a little bit of a section in that book that I wrote about, which is, you know, while I was writing the book, it would have been really easy for me to give up on a whole bunch of other routines and sacrifice everything to it. But the difficulty with doing that is you sometimes drop things that were really hard to build up in the first place. And then, oh, you need to start again from the beginning. So uh, I saw a little bit of myself reflected in you there. Uh, And by the way. I heard you on a show talking about the tour, and it sounded like you had a great time. So congratulations for that! I'm glad you had a swell time.
0: Well, thanks. And yeah, it's interesting too because you know coming back, I talked about this in a recent show. It's revealed so much to me, like so many things that I still want to work on. I think I talked about, you know, the comfort zones that I was tolerating um, since returning seem very uncomfortable, and I really want to resolve that. So you know, it was also an extra kick. And a mm. bit of a, a bit of a pain point for me to realize that I had let mm. a lot of important you know self care and self nurturing things fall right. by the wayside. You know every day, I think I maintain this all forty days of the tour. I knew there simply wasn 't going to be time to write in a journal. And I knew, you know, I could be waking up in somebody's house who had kids, right? So meditation Mm. might not be possible. And the truth is, I had kind of fallen away from meditation before that, and I'm just getting back into it now. But things that make up the morning routine, you know, being still being kind of an all-or-nothing person, like, if I I Mm. can't get this done, it will be this kind of uh, sabotaging thought, like, oh, there's no point in doing any of it. So I I created realistic expectations for Mm. myself when I left on the tour. And every morning when I got up, no matter where I was, I would just do 100 sit-ups. 100 sit-ups is not – like crunches, not full sit-ups. I'm not a lunatic. But I would do that just to say to myself, okay, the point of my body is to move. You're going to be sitting in a car all day. You're going to be you know, encouraged to just keep driving, keep driving, go somewhere else and sit – this is a mm. moving body. This is something you need to take care of. It's very easy to not take care of it in this situation. You know, I brought kettlebells with me and stuff so I could work out. But just that reminder, first thing in the day, you know, my priority has to be caring mm. about me in some way. A hundred crunches in the morning is not going to give you great abs. It's not going to get you in shape. It was just a kind of physical act. Mm. But but that is a kind of microcosm of you know, habits and routines generally, especially what kind of gets stacked together in a morning routine, you know, it's a reminder that I'm stuck with
1: myself, and I'm here to take care of myself, you know, nobody else is going to do it. Right. And um, it was, it's great to hear that reading the book actually made you think about these things, because I don't put out self Help resources for intellectual entertainment. Mm. There's a lot of stuff like that out there. And don't get me wrong, Brett, I love philosophizing, love it. But I don't like doing that in my personal development resources. I like to get the useful stuff out there because sometimes you read a self help book and it's like 80% waffle. Or I, or I can take notes. I can take two a four pages of notes for the whole book. And those are my takeaways. So I've tried to make my stuff really practical. So if you're telling me that you felt like you got an application out of it, that's, I'm thrilled. I'm so thrilled because I really want people to benefit from this stuff. And uh, it sounds like it, um, set some. Synapses firing for you, and you remembered some stuff that was important to you. So I'm thrilled. Absolutely, yeah. And
0: you know, sometimes it's just the the little details or the little suggestions. And there's you know, there's kind of like a big picture approach in this book, and then Mm -hmm. there's a lot of practical stuff. And I wanted to talk about some of both of that today. But to to rewind a bit, I guess I'd be interested in sharing with the audience since this is your first time being on the show. A little of your background as it relates to writing this book. Like, what were the struggles that you went through and persevered through to get to where you are today to feel like, you know, you were an authority, for lack of a better word, on overcoming procrastination?
1: Wow. Well, I don't really know where to start. I mean, through my 20s, especially the early part of them I was still not that happy a person worse in my teens but things were getting better and I was sort of live leaving no stone unturned and trying to find ways to improve my state of mind I read a whole bunch of self-help books and uh, I went to seminars and I went to retreats and things like that most things were only nominally helpful they were like they gave me a good boost at the time but they didn't change me in a meaningful way. And then I I guess one of the big books is a, a book that I know that you're a fan of nonviolent communication. When I read nonviolent communication, I started practicing chapter 7 which is called receiving empathetically consistently. I was at college at the time studying music and philosophy and I started practicing NVC in my friendships. And I noticed a deepening of my relationships, and I was really satisfied with that. So I thought, ooh, uh, maybe I'm interested in communication skills. Maybe I want to teach something about communication. So I started doing little workshops. I read more books on communication. I started putting little YouTube videos out on improving relationships and communication skills based on my first hand experience of doing that Mm -hmm. and things that I'd learned. And what happened was my friends started saying, oh, I know someone that could benefit from talking to you. So they'd introduce me to a friend and I'd give them my attention. And now all the self-help stuff that I read about before that was only slightly useful came into focus because when I could give someone my full attention and really understand them, then afterwards, if I had anything to share, it might only be relevant to them because we had like, gained a laser point precision of clarity mm. in the moment that person would then say oh I've got a friend that would benefit from talking to you too <laughs> so I was like mm, wow wait a minute something cool is going on here so I arranged to do a postgraduate qualification in counselling skills and I, I got some coaching qualifications and I thought well th- this is this is more like it I was teaching piano at the time and I got a lot out of that but I kind of transitioned from being a piano tutor into uh, being personal development but I was still struggling with procrastination even when I took on this work because there were so many things I wanted to write about so many things that I wanted to share I wanted to make more videos I wanted to make more podcasts mm-hmm. but I was only I was only firing on 5 or 10% so this came into clarity when I guess I finished my studies because you've always got an excuse, you know, oh, it'll be so much easier in the summer when I've got free time. And then the summer comes and it goes, oh, it'll be so much easier when I'm back and studying because I'll have structure in my life. But when I left, it came to focus for me that my main problem was uh, I wasn't making good use of my time. So um, I that then became my focus. And gradually I found something that worked. I was going um, and I put down the method that actually finally worked for me as the ultimate um, teaching in the book. There's lots of little tools and tricks and things like that. But there's one method that is the focus, the the ultimate method of the book, um, which everything else is just to aid you in implementing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You say that the the initial aim of the book is to give people the tools that will help gradually rewire yourself or themselves from not feeling like not doing things, right, to feeling enough like doing them to get them done. Right. And, you know, I think that the method that you laid out, it reminds me that the good feelings that happen along the way a gradual rewiring process are really satisfying and really motivating. Mm. And that's sort of the essence of, of how this works.
1: Right, right. So it's, it's not a sledgehammer approach, right? Mm. One of the first sections of the book is called all or nothing thinking. And that is something that screwed me up. And just when I was uh, in the lead up to releasing the book, I had a client who I noticed right away that's where they were at. They thought they had to change everything or like something had to happen. People want a transformational experience. They'll go to South America and drink ayahuasca with a Peruvian shaman or go and see Tony Robbins or something and bang, suddenly they're going to be the person that they always knew they had the potential to be. I agree with you that you do have the potential to be that person, but I don't think any... um. There's not really much of a like click experience where you change from one thing to another. It's more like uh, replacing the uh, components of your computer to give yourself an overall hardware update. Yeah. Um. You know, you can do it piecemeal, bit by bit, bit by bit. You know, and you can actually significantly change your character and become more conscientious over time if you get away from thinking that you need to change everything at once or there's no point. Uh, starting that book because you'll never finish it because you can't do it in one sitting. I know you can't do it in one sitting, but, um, you know, it's not that there's no point in having one sitting. I mean, at the least you'll get better at being a writer from that one setting. You know, there's always something to be gained from everything that you do that points you in the rough direction. And it's difficult for procrastinators because they've got so many dreams and unfinished projects that it's scary to even start a new one because that might be another thing that I I believed that I was going to do and I was really excited and now it's just it 's just hanging over my head, you know another unfinished project that i 've got to feel feel crappy about, so I sympathize with the plight right and uh, I've, I've tried to as I, I, I can go off in a million directions brett you'll have to you 'll have to excuse me i've tried to build a ramp, a ramp, a ramp, a gradual a gradual way up from where you are now to where you want to be internally and externally. Yeah, I think
0: that one of the the difficult things about this is that the further down uh, you go or the lower you feel or the less – like the less resourceful you feel, I think is a good way to describe Mm -hmm. it. The more you're struggling, um, the more – and I'm speaking from my own experience – the more you tend to look for a kind of panacea, something that will grab onto that Mm -hmm. will just make you – feel better across the board. And there just is no thing like that. You know, I've been very public, um, and this will probably come up a couple of times in this conversation because it relates. One of my issues throughout most of my 20s and my 30s was drinking. So that shows you that it doesn't even necessarily, deep down when when we clutch onto some of these things, We know they're not constructive. We know they're not helpful long term or even like beyond that immediate moment, you know. But it's like things are so overwhelming that just some kind of relief is needed. And the reframing of thinking that has to happen that you talk about in this book is Mm -hmm. like you have to take some – small step. And it could just be one area of your life. It's not like, oh, my entire life is a disaster and it's hopeless. It could just be one thing that you're struggling with. But you you have to take some small step to demonstrate to yourself, I think, you care about yourself or you care about this thing or you care about you know a, a larger
1: goal. For sure. And uh, I mean, I have to, first of all, hand it to you um, for Improving your your relationship to drinking, I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. And a lot of people never do it. So you've done something heroic that most people uh, will never experience in, in getting that problem more in check uh, or in check. And uh, I mean, even if people have never had a drug or alcohol problem, they're not immune to... The same tendency, but in other ways. Whether it's like, um, you know, grabbing a, a pack of the worst uh, potato chips and putting on some trash because you're trying to escape from your emotions. And there's a reason why people do things like drink. It's it's a it's keeps anxiety in check. Alcohol will temporarily make you feel less anxious. And when life is just like demanding. Everything feels so demanding Mm. that um, there's a temptation to check out and if it's not alcohol, it'll be something else. Some people don't face their issues. Some people will not have challenging conversations with people in their life and some people will not approach their creative projects they won't approach their dreams and it's for the same reason really at some level that um someone who's got a drug problem will take drugs it's too anxiety provoking to approach your dreams what i've tried to offer in um, procrastination annihilation get it at be yourself and love it.com forward slash do it mm. is to build up your capacity to deal with the demands of achieving the things you want to achieve don't worry so much about trying to get things done start by just a little bit doing something every day just to prove yourself that you can do it you can take the smallest thing and build up your muscles it's got loads of stuff in there about learning how to coach yourself and be gentle with yourself it's not just going to help you with procrastination Practicing the techniques in the book will help you improve your relationship with yourself, so that everything that is unreasonably demanding to you just now becomes easier, and you can do things. It helps you do things at your own pace, so you can approach your set, you can approach things that are somewhat within your range of difficulty, just on the edge of your comfort zone, and by achieving those things. Gain in confidence, gain in ability, and tackle things that are more challenging to you. Absolutely, and I think when, you know one of the reasons
0: why you know drugs and alcohol came up, or you know toxic relationships or bad food. All of those are examples of choosing the short term comforts right. over the long term growth and and gains. And and you talk about that in in the book as well is the, the the mindset without going too deep into the psychology of it like I did in my series with uh you know cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. it, it is a practical book and one of the things that I wanted to talk about is you know this big picture outline that begins the book which is these uh, you call them the five dragons between right. you and your goals we touched on the first one already but I wanted to just go through each one and give people a kind of easy win on, you know, like, here's an idea for how to get beyond this thing. So we acknowledge that it exists, you know, we define it, we clarify Mm -hmm. that there is a way to move beyond it, and then we can just share our thoughts about
1: each one. Okay, great. That sounds good. So we already discussed the first dragon, which is all or nothing thinking Mm -hmm. and the solution to all or nothing thinking and you might need to reinforce this again and again. So write it down if you want. If you struggle from all or nothing thinking is the most simple solution, which is change your goalpost from getting things done or getting your life changed to because sorry from getting things done to becoming the kind of person who gets things done mm-hmm. because you're you're trying too hard quite frankly you're expecting a miracle so when you are the kind of person who gets things done you won't have to worry so much about getting things done because that's what you will do you will be able to do that using the the, the techniques that are in the book you'll be able to gradually train yourself into a more conscientious person. So what is extraordinarily difficult for you will gradually become easier and come into your power. When you were talking about all or nothing thinking in the book, my thoughts
0: were Mm -hmm. along the lines of the quantified self-concept of quantifying things that you actually do, right? So part of my fitness regimen has been to walk. Well, walking isn't you know, particularly interesting. It's not uh, particularly strenuous, right? And when you walk, it's kind of like, well, is there really a point to this? Like, I'm just walking. It's like the first thing I did, it's pretty easy. I don't see how there's any benefits. But when I got a Fitbit, I know this is kind of a, mm-hmm. a silly example, and I, could, and I started to quantify... The amount that I was walking just step by step, if you will, right right, I realized you know that over the course of the week, wow geez, I walked twenty five miles this week, you know, and then awesome. I could start to make a relation between like how my fitness was changing how uh, even how emotions were changing, like moving my body was really positive in that way, but it was quantifying it, even though it, it was no effort, step by step again. Yeah. As it grew and as I could see the growth and measure the growth, I could correlate that to positive results in my physical and mental health. Brilliant. An- another example of this would be something—there's an app that I used to recommend on the show called uh, Seven Weeks, and I'm still perfectly fine recommending I'll recommend it right now. Get Seven Weeks if you're, if you're an Android user. It's a very, very simple interface. I know there's more complicated apps for doing this. You just set a goal. You can give yourself two or three compelling reasons why you want to—not uh, even set a goal. I'm sorry. Form a habit. You form a habit. You think of a habit you want to do, like I want to journal 10 minutes a day. And you just you mark it off on a calendar. But you can see, like, just in the individual action, in the individual day, sometimes it's like, well, uh, I could skip it today. But if you see the actual physical representation of whether you're doing it right. or not— it's really motivating, and that small uh step each day of meditating or journaling or going to the gym or drinking enough water when you look when you when you zoom out a little bit and you look at the the big picture, you can see progress you can see a winning streak you know that you don't want right. to break, so it's a way of seeing how the small and often in, Seemingly meaningless actions in life ultimately scale to something that is clearly meaningful and clearly beneficial
1: right and yeah, okay, so they say in business what you measure is what you get, so I guess i I'm a really big fan of stuff like you have described, which is you know habit trackers charts right I often ask my clients to make a chart and take an action off every every day until we next speak and try and get seven out of seven or or 14 out of 14 and it does suggest something like that in the book as well so yeah great seven weeks sounds great i like com. it's really good, good as a um good really fun and people can check that out and see if it appeals to them and you know it's interesting that you took the example of walking because walking like i go for a walk almost every day and that was one of the habits that i had to build up it was easy for me to procrastinate about a walk and say oh like oh, i've got too much on just now but i try and i do it most days and you know i think it was nietzsche said all great conceive all great ideas have been conceived about by have been conceived by walking all great sure. ideas are conceived by walking so it's interesting that that was one for you that you more saw as oh, something that you see as pointless whereas I saw saw it see as something that I like whereas something that you might that I might easily put aside I know for a long time doing a little bit of exercise or something like that was one of those oh you know uh, well, I'm not really going to get it. It's the all or nothing thinking again. Well, I'm not going to get anything out of just doing one workout and I can't trust myself to work out tomorrow. So there's no point. That's what I mean by all or nothing thinking. Mm, right. But also breaking it down to the day is the
0: thing that matters and kind of living right. one day at a time. And, you know, there's other ways. I mean, journaling is great for this. Like when I broke away from journaling, the way to get back into it is doing the five minute journal, which you're probably familiar right. with. Right. Because it's so it's so simple and, you know, so easily laid out for you. It's almost like once you want to do it, it's almost impossible not to do it. But it's inventorying yeah. the wins that you have at the end of the day and also setting yourself up for success. So the day becomes the thing that matters. And it's like, look, I get up today and I think and I write and then, you know, I, I might check back with that. I'm trying to have the best day I can. I can only live in today. Right. The only time is now, right? So I could worry, I could regret, but that's, you know, sabotaging the intention and the energy. And this this is something that it took me—I was 35 when I learned this, right? Mm. But I'm wow. sabotaging the energy and the attention that I could have for for right now. And it's something that I forget sometimes. I certainly forget that sometimes, but I'm reminding myself and everyone listening—
1: Yeah, it's important because ding, ding, it's now. And there's only now. And I, oh, you said something that I really wanted to pick up on there that I really loved. Journaling is a great example for me because that is something that I avoided for so long. And now I'm so used to doing it that if I miss a day, I get annoyed at myself. But I don't get annoyed at myself like, oh, I'm such a bad person, I missed a day of journaling. I get annoyed because I'm like, damn, like I would have liked to have had more clarity that I would have got if I hadn't missed yesterday now that I'm sitting down today. It's like so one of the things that used to be hard for me to do and now it's one of the things that I do daily that's the easiest for me to tick off. Like if I need a ramp, if I don't feel like getting on to some of the other things that I need to do, I can journal first to get my my blood flowing, which is such a turnaround from like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah, so progress can be made. And I think feelings will come with doing that exercise,
0: right? You know, we talked a lot on the show about like the six pillars of self-esteem. Now, obviously, there's like goal consciousness, gratitude, like those kinds of things that can come from the simple act of journaling. And I I think I'm thinking more of the five-minute journal here, which it would be advice for people who are just trying to get started with this. Yes. We talked about the six pillars of self-esteem on the show a lot, and sometimes it's easy for that to all fall into the background. But, you know, if you are actively journaling every day, you're contemplating questions like, what is going on with me? Which is, you know, living consciously. Mm. How am I feeling about it? Which I think relates pretty closely to self-acceptance. What can I do better? Which tackles self-responsibility. How can I do it better, which relates to self-assertiveness? Why am I doing it anyway, you know, is something that could certainly come up, or at least those gears could start turning, which is, you know, living purposefully. And because, you know, you're you're trying to be accountable to yourself, am I answering these questions honestly and acting upon those answers, Which is which is living with integrity? So just that process of writing and externalizing allows me or anybody who's doing it to connect to those six pillars that Nathaniel Brandon laid out on a daily basis,
1: right, right, and journaling for me is like a master practice because it makes everything else you're trying to do it easier. It's a special key, and I'm a huge enthusiast for Nathaniel Brandon as well. And um, I was uh, I was aggrieved when he passed away, but mm. I think he he gave he gave the world what he was here to give. Um, I I remember you, your series on that, and I'm glad that you're uh, passing his torch along because he he made a, a significant contribution, I think.
0: Absolutely. Well, we got a lot out of the the first uh, dragon head, so why don't we move on to the second one, which is perfectionism.
1: Perfectionism. Okay, I had a little bit of a unique take on perfectionism and everyone knows it's like the fear of making mistakes. Okay. I used to teach piano and one of the things I noticed was I needed to decondition people because the fear of making mistakes. Because you can't hit the right keys without hitting the wrong keys. Mm. Now most people will try and tell people to like, oh just go like just just go easy with yourself. Oh, don't be so hard on yourself. But the thing is, see if you're wired up with good taste, which most people who want to do any art, whether it's writing, music, um, painting, like whatever your art is, chances are you want to do it because you've got good taste. And the infuriating thing is when you start, you're going to pretty much suck compared to the people that you like. (laughs) Why? Because they, you know, they've got lots of experience and you don't, right? Mm. Now, I so I'm not telling people to throw their perfectionism in the bin because you can't. You're wired up to be like that to a degree. I mean, it's great if you can say, um, I'm just going to write down uncritically and I'll go back and edit it afterwards. That's, you know, stuff like that's great. But um your good taste is part of who you are. So what I would like people to start doing is think in terms of, Ways they can make it easy for themselves to get better at what they're doing. Like, I really love writing, Brett. Like, I've always wanted to be a writer, even um, when I was in school. And it's something I came back to and stopped. But I procrastinated about it a lot. Like, and now, like, I love my writing. Like, I'm so much better at it. And my sense of humor and my personality comes through in the book. Like, people will enjoy because it's got some laughs in there and someone said i like your tone it's really cheeky and that was the best compliment in the world because i think i'm cheeky uh so um <laughs> you know I, I think i am cheeky so if that comes from I, I think if that come comes i mean i i put on a good show of being like really formal and things like that when i come on these podcasts but maybe i shouldn't yeah don't. maybe i should just go for yeah, it i should just i'll just let my cheeky self come out so the reason why I'm saying I really like my writing now it took a long time to get there I'm not saying that to blow my own trumpet I'm saying that to say it's easier for me to write because I'm better at it now but I couldn't write this book if I hadn't written a bunch of blogs articles Uh, I reviewed about 150 plays you know um, and all sorts of little smaller things so I don't know what the aspirations of your audience is you know if you want to be a podcaster just try getting your phone and recording yourself speaking about something you're passionate about for five to ten minutes Mm. and do that for a while and then after a while you might start going oh those ones are pretty good maybe I should record something on that topic a full-length podcast now that's just one example but just apply yourself apply the example to whatever your big project is you know If you've got an idea to write a non-fiction book presenting some theory you have, um, start with little related pieces of 50 to a couple of hundred words long and keep on writing them. And then when your confidence increases, you can go back and pilfer them for good ideas and put them in the final thing. But it all comes back to using a ramp. Get a little bit better each day because, you know, you can't see it as clearly as you can see, you know, someone who's say bodybuilding right. increase the weights that they lift. But it's happening. You know, it's an internal bodybuilding. It's it's your 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 internal strength. I think they define strength as what is it the the power to put force on an object or something like that. I can't remember the exact definition, but it's the same in the inner world. And um, if you're trying to push above your weight then you're going to encounter big problems because you've got good taste and having good taste makes you a perfectionist. So just um, start working. Yeah, obviously, if you can go a little bit easier on yourself, that's great. But the main thing is to find little rungs to your lads are. To, um, to improve your, your ability so you can meet your standards better and better.
0: Right. So it's almost like addressing the first dragon head, the all or nothing thinking, gives you some nice momentum to deal with this second one. If you conquer the all or nothing idea, uh, you're pretty set up to overcome perfectionism as well.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that the five dragons are tackled in quite a logical order Mm -hmm. and one follows from the other, because I think when we talked about all or nothing thinking and changing your goal from being from doing the work to being becoming the kind of person who can do the work, that is one of the essential points of the book. So it kind of becomes a thread that then runs through the the falling dragons. Mm. So yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate you pointing that out. I think each teaching <laughs> builds on the last. Indeed. So with that momentum, let's
0: go on to the third head, which is uh, fatalism. What do you mean by fatalism?
1: Well, fatalism is the outlook that kind of, well, we're fated. There's nothing we can do about it. We're just kind of on one path and, um, everything, every everything leads down there. So a lot of the time, procrastinators will think things like, there's no point in starting because I'll never finish it anyway. Or like, oh, well, even if I do it today, I'll still feel crap tomorrow. Like, I, I know that there's some people at home nodding their heads and it's like, oh, I'll still have a million things to do even if I do this. and Or if I finish it, no one will buy it, right? No one will buy it anyway, right? So you're, you, these are like... These are fatalistic thoughts because you're assuming that the, the the future is set. You're fortune telling. And what I love, like, there's this uh, Greek myth, which I mentioned in this section, which is Sisyphus, the myth of Sisyphus, where he has to push a boulder up a mountain every day. And then it rolls back down and he has to push it up again the next day. And I'm like, Every procrastinator knows that story about them, yeah, because yeah. if you get if you get into the swing of things and you you like you start doing something, you're like, "Oh my God, the high is so high, like you feel so good when you can do that big long stint of work." But then, you know, you wake up the next day feeling like crap and, you know, find it hard to motivate yourself. And that's when you start getting fatalistic because you go, I'll always be like this. Right. There's nothing I can do. Do you know what I mean? Oh,
0: absolutely. Because you've got the momentum of all of time, of all of these Mm -hmm. unhelpful habits and routines. Mm -hmm. And that's even if you do start progress, start to make progress, you're going to have to uh, encounter I guess the residual of all of those other ways of living or operating.
1: Yeah, for sure. So you you can't look at the micro like, oh, well, yesterday I was productive and today I was productive. You actually need to take a long-term average um, because not all of your personality is ever manifest in any one moment. It like sprawls out, like, you know, dealing through a, a deck of cards um, there, or, or you know, a 3D object that has many angles and you can't look at all angles of it in any one moment. So we always need to take an average over time and it's very hard to do that when you're stuck, especially when you're feeling very negative because your emotion colonizes your thinking and you start seeing all of life through the paradigm of your emotion. So um, this is the thing. It just really comes back to building your muscles um, and zoom out a little bit right we're going to learn how to deal with resistance and um, dealing with resistance getting better and better at it becomes our goal and we acknowledge that you know okay at the you you mentioned cbt and your in relation to your series on procrastination there's a little bit of that in this section someone someone else pointed out to me she she was looking through the book and she went oh this is kind of like cbt so one thing you can do is identify the kind of things that you think that put you off doing stuff and because see if you become really intimately acquainted and when you read this book you'll understand that I'm really really intimately acquainted with with with, uh, the mindsets that create procrastination like the inside knowledge is there um, you know but you need to know you know thyself uh, because it's easier to go oh there it goes again if you if you've identified it so I've got a little table there where I give some examples and I say No one, you know, you can write down on one side, no one will be interested, and then you can just write the truth on the other side, which is like people might be interested. Then again, they might not. Yeah, but then again, they might not. But even if they aren't, it'll still be a valuable experience to work to to work on it. You know, I mean, for all I know, uh, this book will go no further, but I'll never regret writing it because it was an inherently satisfying experience. And I know the next thing I write will be even better because I improve my tone writing this book. And, you know, I establish the tone that I like. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to mention about
0: this section, and it probably relates to the process of writing a book too, because there's probably all kinds of fears that need to be audited in doing that, right? But mm-hmm. you uh, mentioned this quote from Stephen Pressfield in The War of Art. The amateur mm-hmm. believes he first must overcome his fear, then he can do his work. The professional knows that fear can never uh, be overcome. So it's this idea of basically fear management along the way and and facing those fears because they can be really, really paralyzing if you don't in ways that I think I've been paralyzed by fears that I didn't want to acknowledge. Therefore, I didn't even understand that they were affecting me. You know? Mm -hmm.
1: Right, right. And I would like to amend Stephen Pressfield's quote to the professional knows that fear may never be overcome, because we don't have a crystal ball. And I hope that one day it will be overcome. But we need to accept the possibility that it won't be. And I end the section, well, I don't want to give any spoilers, but it's like, see if you're going to be rolling that boulder up a hill every day you might want to see if you can find some kind of way to enjoy that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's people who've got all sorts of illnesses that are incurable that they have to live with. And some people just, they just learn to manage them as part of their everyday life. Now, if things are going to be difficult for you, and this is just what it takes, like, it will get easier. In my experience, a lot of things will get easier. But I'm still working on a whole bunch of things that aren't challenging, That are still challenging. And you'll get that from reading my book. Like, I don't hold anything back, really. I talk about to a degree that, you know, struggles that I'm still motivating myself through. But the thing is, the difference between me now and me a few years ago is I've done it when it comes to many, many things. Yes, And so I I have that behind me. I have that reference experience behind me to encourage me along. And, you know, we're all much of a muchness. There's not... Too much different between one human being and another. So, if I can do it, you can do it. I mean, I was a procrastinator for most of my life. I'm still a procrastinator in many things, but every day is still a success. I do enough of the things that I want to be doing that I'm proud of myself every single day. Mm. Every day. Absolutely. And
0: mm. I think that you mentioned an idea there that's like an accomplishment audit, I think. You know, yeah. and, and that might be a place where we need to start or, you know, recently I had to revisit this. You know, I went through uh, a few really difficult weeks mm. after after um, I returned and started to think about some things and started to excavate. I felt pretty dark and I had to just look, like, what am I doing every day that is actually, you know, working for me? Um, what right. did I actually get done to, and just being conscious of that made me want to do more of it uh, the next day, uh, towards getting back on track.
1: Yeah. You know, celebrate each win, acknowledge yourself for all the good you do. And I do suggest taking an accomplishment on, uh, and writing down at the end of the day, all the things that you've done, because a lot of procrastinators are very focused on the things that they're not doing, uh, because, they're painful Mm. and it's easy to focus on them but they don't actually realize how much they do and they think well what's the point in acknowledging what i do i've done it but actually you need to give your unconscious mind some rewards so that it knows and know you're basically whenever you acknowledge something positive you've done telling your unconscious mind i want more of that wire me up to do more of that please if you don't acknowledge it then you're not putting fuel in the fire do you know what i mean absolutely
0: yeah that's that's really really well said and that's gratitude again but also self-respect mm-hmm. when you get those things you want more of them um, no question all right let's move on to the fourth head seeing things as things to be done rather than things to do now we touched on this one but let's expand it a little bit
1: Yes, you did. You talked about being in the present moment. Now, this is one insight, probably one of the insights that I'm most proud of out of the entire book, because I realised I was doing this maybe six, seven years ago, and it, I presume that you've heard of the five love languages. Yes, because you're, yeah. So uh, this is kind of a tangent, but hey, I feel like talking about it. So, Please, um, yeah. So I just want to mention, like there uh, there's five different ways that people give and receive love Um, and and one of like people tend to have one that is one or two that are most important to them so one of mine happens to be quality time and the other is touch but yeah I guess I sometimes got out of seeing things as things to be done rather than things to do if i was doing it with someone else because that was speaking right to my heart because i was spending um quality time with them but it would be nice to be able to do things for ourselves you know and not have to rely on having other people around um to to motivate ourselves like especially if you're you're a giver if you're wired up to be a giver and i think a lot of people who listen to this probably are um it's like you need to slow the i don't know if we do bleeps in this but yeah oh you can swear okay well fuck shit cunt ass bitch (laughs) this is something we can all benefit from like slowing down right because it's not it ain't what you do it's the way that you do it it's an old song you know it's such a great great lyric because it isn't it's not what you do it's the quality of attention you bring to your what you do right you know when you're on your deathbed, looking back you 're going to want to look back and go, like "Did I actually enjoy this shit? like what was I doing? Yeah you know w- was I even there? Some people go uh, like they're ready to die, and they go, "I missed it, I missed the whole fucking thing, yeah, but it 's hard to live in the moment when there's such a pile of things that you think that you need to do so this is section is just about bringing your attention. And and being observant of the quality of attention that you bring to what you're doing, the better quality of attention you bring to what you're doing, the greater the result of it will be. Absolutely. Uh, this, I just found this
0: article on psychology today that I was reading about uh, procrastination. It was called The True Meaning of Procrastination. I, d- I didn't get too much out of it. But at one point, the author was talking about varying dictionary definitions of the word. The Merriam-Webster had it as to put off intentionally the doing of something that should be done, right? Mm -hmm. So we encounter a kind of should problem there. And I'm not saying like, hey, man, just do whatever you want all the time. Like, I've, I've tried that approach. Like, that was a kind of definition of professional freedom mm-hmm. for me, that if anything wasn't immediately attractive or exciting, I just wasn't going to do it and I was going to, you know, plan accordingly from there. But we, we do have to acknowledge that shoulds and musts are roadblocks to motivation mm-hmm. if that's how we're framing actions that we would benefit from taking you know we start learning that those things are roadblocks to motivation when we're 6 years old when people start right. saying should and must to us you know every day 5 days a week there's a task here to understand why things are compelling which is why mm-hmm. like productivity systems help it's why goals help it's why mapping mm-hmm. out projects through something like getting things done helps so even if something doesn't feel exciting You know, what helped me was to say, well, that's the next action. And I know what I'm trying to do, at least in this specific project. And, you know, I even talked about making a video that I was really excited about or making a podcast that I was really excited about. And I'd get stuck. And this is more true with video because that's like more of a technical skill and it can certainly be more frustrating. Like podcast editing is not, you know, Exactly, you know, the pinnacle of the combination of art and science. But video editing, there's more to it, you know. So I I remember when I was working on those Gato videos, I'd get stuck on something, and I would just walk away from it, and then I'd say, "No, you know what? I'm going to go back, and I'm going to make the end of that video because I'm really excited about how that video ends." So I'd I'd skip ahead, I'd edit all the little pieces that made up the ending, and I would watch it. I would sit there and just play it and watch it over and over again. And I'd say, if I can figure out that thing that sucks at the 2 minute and 34 second mm. mark if i can figure out the thing that keeps making me walk away from the computer or find something mm-hmm. else to do then i get to show everybody this part that i'm really excited about right. you know and that's
1: so good yeah
0: yeah and that just relates to projects generally whether other people are going to see them or not you know if the goal is in mind those things along the way transform i think often I'm not saying it happens automatically once there's a goal in mind, but they transform often from shoulds and musts to the next worthwhile challenge towards
1: ultimately achieving a goal. Yeah, man. I loved hearing you talk about that because you just came to life. It was like such a joy. It's like I heard an expression like if you give someone a good enough why, they will deal with any how. Right. So you were making deals with yourself there. You Stopped the bit that you were having trouble with. You said, "This is just too much for me right now." You went and circled forward to a bit that was easier. You did that, and you get, and and you worked with yourself. And this book, sorry, I, I in fact, I'm not sorry. Get yeah, it's that's free. why you're here. It's free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be yourself love it dot com forward slash do it. Right. It's full of tools that will help you get better at making deals with yourself. This is gonna, a book, it's a book about procrastination, but it's really a book about becoming your own best friend, becoming your own coach. And, and, and I really believe in it. That's why I don't mind like plugging it again and again, because everything you said about shoulds, that's like, It's almost like you've read the book or something like that, because there's a little bit at the end of this section about reframing shoulds, like stuff that I think I want to do. I turn into a big should and then it's less motivating. And uh, there's a few techniques in this section of the book which are about dealing with your states. My problem with most of the personal development media, is it doesn't help people deal with their states. It doesn't help people. It just tells them the right things to do. And that's great. It's good to know the right things to do. But what if you just can't get to doing it, which like, sort of leads on to the last dragon, which is, I don't feel like it, right? Yeah. So we need to deal with our states. We need to become masters of dealing with our states because the state is everything. But you know what I mean, like your state is just everything comes from your state. I think that your audience is largely of a sort of free market bent yeah um yeah so so let's take that as a example, right The state um it makes declarations, right mm. it's inflexible um it takes a long time to make changes in public institutions. you have to lobby and go through all. These processes, vote, convince other people to vote. It is the state. It's a solid state. It's intransigent. It's inflexible. It doesn't move with time. Then you've got the free market, which flows like a river. Millions of tiny choices. Nothing comes from up on high. Well, I mean, yeah, corporations will choose to launch a product from on high, but it's the millions of tiny choices of consumers. It flows like a river, right? Okay, so you have a state which you are in and it is pervasive and you want to move into the flow state. It's really like, like where, where it's like, it's not a mindset. It's not a state of mind, which is like, this is how I am. I feel like intransigent. I feel inflexible to the you want your state to go into the flow state which is like the free market where every moment you're making lots of tiny little decisions so it's a, it's a perfect metaphor and you know words have certain resonances in 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 language you know and the way that they're used is not always coincidental
0: yeah absolutely so the idea that lots of times we feel Inflexible, or we even can feel paralyzed by certain parts of ourselves that are, you know, telling us sabotaging things, right? And, and to, I mean, this is this is like a bigger picture. This, this relates to, Mm. you know, it almost relates to. Uh, like internal family systems therapy. Uh, right. I'm thinking in, in those terms now because, you know, we, we talked about this on the show in 2015, The the idea of the fractured self and these different parts of self, you know, the child self, the protector, the firefighter, the manager, and how they all have different functions in our whole being. And there can be times where... You know a more vulnerable or less resourceful or more destructive part of the self comes to the fore and starts filling our heads with ideas and Once I became aware of this concept in myself and other people, a lot of things started to make sense mm. that used to be endlessly torturous and frustrating so just in the case with myself if i fill if if I'm filling up with defeatist thoughts i don't mm-hmm. I don't tie that to my identity right even if i do even if i spend an hour or two or a day feeling that way i still have the knowledge to look at that situation that's happening through like a book like the body keeps the score or the work that i did with Wes bertrand and matt amberson on my show on this subject on the aces stuff to say okay wait a minute all of this stuff that's filling me up and defining me right now that wasn't me at three o'clock yesterday you know, right. These are th- these are parts that are activated by uh circumstances or things that I'm dealing with or things that I haven't figured out how to deal with yet. And right now it's creating this. I can't. I won't. It's hopeless. But that's not the whole me, because I know, you know, in similar situations in the past, I figured out how to be resourceful or I, I was able to reframe my thinking or another part was able to, to take over once I kind of understood the interplay between them. You know, the, I, the, the other thing that you said here is it's about, you know, sharpening the, your ultimate tool of the trade, which is yourself, right? Right. And how we're treating ourselves and how we're knowing ourselves. So I can say from my experience, when I encounter stress or upset, you know, even a kind of depression, that leads to me not treating myself well historically. That's the time when I need the most care, you know, not, not the, the opposite of care. So there's, I'd love to hear you just talk about this. I know I just blurted out a whole bunch of stuff, but there's a, there's an IFS tie-in with this idea of, of the state we're in Mm. at any given time.
1: Right. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I I loved what you blurted out. So (laughs) I was so engaged, I was so engaged with it that I didn't prepare a response. But. I have some um, experience with internal family systems myself. I went to see an internal family systems therapist and she was the most effective of the helpers or the process was the most effective. Um, In addition to that, I interviewed the late, great Pete Gerlach three times. He was a prominent uh, YouTuber in internal family systems Uh, those three shows have been re-uploaded to Be Yourself and Love It podcast so if you want to check out Be Yourself and Love It podcast there's three great interviews with Pete Gerlach Um, and it comes up in my work all the time man like um, I, I can't help but Sometimes when I'm working with clients, I identify that what they're saying is they have one part of them that sees it this way and another part that sees it that way. And in my own process of introspection, I have had reason to notice that I'm seeing things through a certain lens and have to ask that part to step out the way for a minute so that I can speak to a quieter voice, right? And the way I see it, like, is like this – Imagine you were the king or queen and you have a council of advisors and you come into a meeting and one of the advisors is angry, let's say. You cannot have a productive meeting until he's satisfied. So you need to give your anger your attention and understanding and if you listen to that person and they feel understood, they go, okay, 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 I'll sit down and then you can have a productive meeting. A better example is if two or three are of your advisors are arguing. You cannot mediate the dispute if you let your two parts talk across one another. What you have to do is you have to isolate one and say, let's hear your side of the story. And um, you can journal, you can record yourself, you can um, speak to, you can, you can ask a friend like let me let me tell you all of one side and you ask me questions then i'll tell you all of the other side Um you can book me uh you can um whatever you find a way to isolate and hear that side of the story fully because see when you fully understand one side you'll already notice something drop for you then you can return to the other part because when you're understanding you, your whole system's understanding, in my experience, to a degree. So you're learning as you're, it's like when you're, if you're an extrovert, you might sometimes experience that when you're speaking to someone, you're trying to explain something. And while you're explaining it to them, while you're teaching it to them, you're actually teaching it to yourself. You're getting to understand it better. So that's um, part of the process of coming to clarity. Then you can speak to the other part that's involved in the conflict and See if you can understand things from all points of view, because see when you think, oh, I'm annoyed. Oh, but I shouldn't be annoyed. But then they did this. Right. You're you're just you're just like a ping pong ball going from one side to the other. The inner conflict is not being mediated. So that's what I've got to say on. That's that's about. That's about the extent of my expertise on IFS, from my own
0: experience. But that's the word you use—the word which is mediation, right? Like (laughs) now, when we were doing those shows, we did—I think we did a five-part series on this back in 2015. Uh, You know, I said to the guys, like maybe on the show, but definitely off the show. Like a lot of people are going to think this sounds really woo-woo, but I mean, what's important to learn is that it's perfectly normal to have conflicting thoughts but also to understand the origins of those conflicting thoughts and what happens i think for from what happened most of my life is that there would be a kind of manager that would rise mm-hmm. up when a part when when something in me felt vulnerable or needed mm-hmm. something or insecure something would step up and say hey you know, get back to work. <laughs> that kind of. A, yeah, you just want to a...
1: steamroll over. Yeah, it. exactly. Familiar.
0: But the body keeps the score. bezel van der Kolk is the author of that book, and I really recommend it. You know, the concept that he introduces is self-leadership, which is mm. instead of management, like the difference between a manager and a leader, a leader is somebody who could stand confidently in the front of a conflict and mediate uh, opposing parts of it. But also recognize and accept that, you know, that's the nature of multiple parts existing in anything. Right, you know? right, right, right. So to be right. a self-leader and work on self-reintegration, that's that's I think that was such a really important takeaway from that book. It's a long book. I took a lot of mm. notes, but that's one thing that definitely stuck out, you know, that conflicting parts exist for a reason and to kind of mediate between them. Uh, as an act of self leadership, that's a that's a really really important thing. But it's also, in, in the context that we're discussing here, a mm. great way to right. counter sabotaging, destructive, self limiting thoughts and talk.
1: Thank you so much. And what I would like to say is, even though it's a book on procrastination, the thrust of the book is getting better yeah. at self-leadership honestly like i think there's an ifs organization that's called the center for self-leadership i think the i don't go into ifs in the book but i think one way or another the the main value of the book is it's got a bunch of practices for helping you become a good self-leader for for working with yourself instead of trying to use a sledgehammer approach because see if trying to beat yourself up into doing the things you wanted to do worked i wouldn't have had to read the book because there wouldn't be any procrastinators in the world every procrastinator has tried you know every procrastinator has tried to self-flagellate themselves into doing stuff so if that worked there'd be no need for the book no we need to kind of take a gentler approach and it's not like a gentler approach like you said oh well just do whatever man it's no it's it's gentle but it's it's a leadership approach
0: absolutely
1: so we're almost
0: out of time. And I really want people to check out this book. Like you said, there's a lot of good information packed in there and it's a quick, easy read. But mm. I was hoping before I let you go, you could just tease the part about your process for
1: overcoming procrastination a little bit. Sure. I mean, the the, the basic thing is to not try and just use willpower because You've only got so much willpower a day and you're trying to accomplish so much and your energy is just flying out in all sorts of directions. So the book will give you a method for focusing your willpower on one thing and building a habit out of that. And once it's established as a habit, you won't be under so much stress it won't be so difficult for you to perform that action and you can use that to then add another and add another now there's lots of useful tips and tricks for making this method work for you and getting things in the right order and 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 as i said it won't take you long to read the book it's free you can get it at beyourselfandloveit.com forward slash do it and i'm really proud of it it's the culmination of many years and I've not seen something of, of the same value on this topic. Otherwise, I'd be recommending that instead. So please check it out. Enjoy it. Share it. and um, Catch me on the Be Yourself and Love It podcast if you've got time to do that in between. Listening to School Sucks. And thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you so much, Anthony. That was a great conversation, and we'll
0: have to do it again soon.
1: Thank you. I would be honoured to have another opportunity to be on your show. Thanks for all you do. I think you're doing great work and you really have catalogued so much good information for people and uh, put it out there. You know, there's people who maybe aren't great readers that can benefit from you know your series on nathaniel brandon and other other things that you've done you know to present that information and make it accessible to people so i really appreciate what you're doing and uh, i look forward to speaking to you again awesome thank you so much for saying that my pleasure